Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my show. I'm your host, Diana Bavaroso, what we need in best-selling author, Fahrenheit, The Journey of Transformation, The White Within. And I'm working on my brand new books, uh, which is titled Dare to Tell the Truth. And I'm hoping to be out in, to the end of the year. So welcome to my show. And uh, my website is com. You can download my uh, podcast there on iTunes on um, Google Play, everywhere. So let me know what kind of a topic you would like me to cover, and I'll be more than happy to do that. And I hope everybody is safe and everybody is doing their best to stay healthy. And today I have a very, very powerful woman, very strong woman who does amazing things about the victims of domestic violence as well as being the voice of the unlawfully uh, convicted victims. And um, she's with us today, and I hope this show is going to help you somehow, and it's going to make you get involved also against uh, injustice, against people who haven't done anything wrong and just they don't know how to defend themselves. And her name is Amy Bellan. She's a successful real estate and marketing professional. She's a passionate advocate for wrongfully accused victims of criminal justice system, as well as women's empowerment. Her initiative, Rising Awareness for the Innocent, which brings awareness to those unable to find their voices, to share their truths in innocence, now has over 90,000 followers. She is recipient of the 2018 People in of Distinction Humanitarian Award by our call from CBS Radio and the Melbourne Woman Award. She's been nominated for the Department of Justice Victim Advocate Award. In addition, she's one of them and has raised funds to the Innocent Project of Florida. And she's with us today. Please welcome Annie Bellon. Hi, Annie Bellon, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Trying to quarantine very safely. Yeah, me too. I do the same thing. I do the same thing like most people do. So, uh, but we're gonna get out of this situation, and we are going to be fine. That's what I think. So, anyway, tell us uh, how did you start all of this? What made you start uh, doing that? It's really difficult work, I'm sure, but. Um, it's amazing work at the same time. Thank you. Well, first of all, I hope everybody is doing well and safely, uh, making sure that they're healthy and social distancing. So I want to say that. Um, and thank you for having me on your show. My, my incident um, 
my my situation that led me to where I ended up um, it actually started in 2014. I was getting divorced, and I was attacked by my former husband, who was a former law officer. And that was the only time he ever attacked me. And when, I, when he attacked me, I went downstairs to call the police. And what I didn't know in the state of Florida is that if you call the police, somebody's going to get arrested in domestic violence. And, and it's so important if you're a victim of domestic violence to know that because unless you know it, you are going to be sadly mistaken if you have a, a manipulative, conniving former husband or husband. So when I went downstairs and called the police, I was on the phone with 911. And he came down with a stab wound and told the concierge to call the ambulance that I'd stabbed him, which I clearly hadn't done. But and nonetheless, um, he went outside and met the, the officers and the officers and told them he was the next cop. And, you know, he was six feet. I'm 5'4". He was 225. I was 125. It was just, it was ridiculous. I ended up being wrongly arrested that night. Um he did not get arrested despite the fact I had bruises all over me. And even on my 911 call, I'm yelling, take the fingerprints. My prints aren't on the knife. And when I finally got the report, there was only one fingerprint. So it was just a crazy situation. But when I got out of jail, I was charged with a second-degree felony. <clears throat> Assault with a deadly weapon, facing 15 years in prison mandatorily, if convicted. And it was only one under manslaughter. So I... I hired a lawyer, and I told my lawyer, don't offer me a plea. I'll go to jail. I didn't do this. And uh, in, in the early days, I just, I just knew I had to prove my, my truth, and I voluntarily took a polygraph, which my lawyer was kind of shocked, but I thought, you know, before he testifies and gives a deposition, I need my truth. That's all I have is my truth. And, you know, they always say that these polygraphs don't do anything. In my case, what it came down to 16 months later was the state of Florida actually asked for a copy of polygraph I had taken where I, I exceeded the threshold of honesty because everything, you know, in the story didn't add up. So when the state polygraphist reviewed it, they concurred with my polygrapher that I indeed did not stab my husband. <laughs> Shocking. And uh, the case was dismissed. But, but, you know, it didn't take away the fact that, you know, it's bad enough to be a victim of domestic violence, but to be re-victimized the same time you're calling for help by the people in place to help is just got involved with the Innocence Project because that represents people who are wrongfully convicted, meaning they're wrongfully arrested, wrongfully charged, and then they get convicted and they can spend, some of them spend 35 years in prison and they're innocent. So I got very passionate about that because I knew that I could afford my truth, but lots of people can't. So that's how I got involved with that. Um, I could, do you want me to jump to the next story? What happened to you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Absolutely. So, next story. So, now, so now that I have my expunged record, I've successfully overcome the first issue, the first situation I had. I took a job in Sarasota. For a big company, I wanted. To, I live in Fort Lauderdale. I wanted to prove I could do what I do um, in my truth with the new story, and so um, I, I was taking a job in Sarasota. And the week before I was moving, my ex-husband got served with civil papers because I was not going to let him get away with what he did. I was like, "No, you're going to pay for this. So I'm not going away." So good for you. He's, 
<laughs> he's well I dropped it though because when you're not crazy you you don't know how crazy thinks and and that's really a true statement you know you forget and I'm a pretty you know I uh, stand up for myself as much as I can but you can't stand up against crazy so he got served and he got served in his office and I knew that was going to be horrible for him because he's got a huge I mean he's a sociopath and a psychopath and he's got a huge ego and um, the mug shots I spent the dollars to push down on the internet which unfortunately is the world wide web they're never going to go away started coming back up and <laughs> that I ended up getting the the job actually rescinded by the owners, and I and I and they said it wasn't the mugshots, but I knew it was mugshots. You know, unfortunately, a mugshot tells a story, and it's not always the truth. So through a friend, I was introduced to a cyber stalking expert who works for the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and we are we were the largest coalition in the United States, the most powerful coalition with about $60 million in funding and untouchable. We, by statute, this coalition was actually um, the only in the country uh, coalition that received monies without any competitive people. So it was, they had a monopoly. Uh, Jeb Bush put them into statute, and basically the same person ran it for 20-some years before she stopped. So... I was introduced to somebody that was a cyber stalking expert to help me get my mug shot down. And he came um, to my home to look at my computers because I said I had, I was concerned I'd spyware. By the way, my ex-husband had spyware on my, on my computers. So he ended up taking advantage, advantage of me in my most vulnerable state. And it was, it was awful. And, you know, I ended up finding out, some things about him like he lied to me about certain things and um, when I found out six months later I wasn't going to say a word about anything but because he knew he was caught lying to me he started going into my phone and into my computer and changing text messages and changing emails and and trying to cover up his behavior because he knew he should never have done anything and he was trying to cover it up kind of like my ex-husband taking a knife and stabbing himself, same exact situation. And I was just like, there's no way that somebody's going to do this to me. And if you've ever been cyberstalked, it's very, very, very horrific and scary. And it's intrusive. There's so many words. I can't even articulate how bad it was. And um, I hired a lawyer, the lawyer, I was able to prove that he cyberstalked me. I was, hell-bent on proving this because it's a crazy thing you know you hear about things on in movies cyber stalking and you know unless it happens to you it's like it's unbelievable literally it's unbelievable so the lawyer sent a letter this is the beginning of, of 2018 sent a letter about what happened to me and the coalition immediately went into his computer where they discovered naked pictures of women in his computer and emails of sexual nature. And this is a man working with domestic violence victims for the, the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence, former officer, and he was a cyberstalking expert. So the coalition did the right thing. They actually terminated him immediately. So I knew that I did the right thing by sending the email or, or, or saying I want to do a lawsuit. But I, or 
so we sent a letter. We didn't actually go to, to a lawsuit. So I thought, you know, they're a coalition. They obviously know something happened. I'm going to wait to see what they say, what they do with the victim. Well, when the coalition didn't do anything for four months, nothing, other than firing him. So obviously there was something wrong. They, they validated that just by firing him. I was like, you know what? The fact that I'm a victim and they haven't reached out, I found disgusting. And I hired lawyers, and I said, you know what? I want to file a lawsuit. So we did. And uh, the response we got from the coalition was they victim blame me. And that just got my, you know, got, I guess, a fire under my ass, so to speak. And uh, when that happened, I, through a friend, I ended up getting an article in Media Magazine. And it was about what happened to me. And a month later, when I still hadn't heard anything, I took that article to the Miami Herald through a friend. And the Miami Herald was interested, and they said, we're going to run a story. And I interviewed with the journalist. And right before the story came out, my lawyers called and said they want to go to mediation. So I said, pull my story out. And they said, well, we're, we, we might be able to pull your story out, but we're still going to run a story because now we found out they had been paying their president almost $800,000 a year. And this is a nonprofit organization. So the story ran about the, about the, the exorbitant salary of the CEO of the Florida Coalition. And that story prompted what has just happened to the coalition over the past six months. Um, they've been taken out of statute. They found out that there's been uh, – their seven and a half million dollars was taken and paid time off by the president, former president Tiffany Carr. Uh, the top level executives were also getting paid time off, and it, it's been all over the news in in Florida. But it's one of the biggest stories because it actually took them completely out of statute. And the end result was I went and testified twice to the House of Representatives up in Tallahassee about what happened to me, and we were able to provide the chief inspector general, the governor, and also the uh, attorney general. I'm sorry, the um, not the attorney general. Yeah, the attorney general. Um, all the information of what happened to me, how I was cyber-stalked. And we found out that the man that cyber-abused me was actually a former officer who actually preyed on uh, young girls in a high school and a letter was sent to the police department he went to go work for, and nobody did anything. And as far as I know, nobody ever investigated who those women were in that computer. Um, so fast forward, current day, the coalition by the state of Florida has got a lawsuit against it um, by the attorney general. The federal government's getting involved, and the Department of Child Family Services has placed a lawsuit against this organization um, they are now currently being dis disassembled, if you will, uh, taken completely out. I think they'll be dissolved in the next couple of weeks. Uh, they went into receivership, all the top-level executives. Uh, many of them were forced to resign. Um, and now we have somebody who's going to take over the 42 domestic violence centers. So it all kind of happened very quickly. <laughs> and it's, I'm, I'm laughing just because. It happened literally uh, as we were going into the coronavirus, the, the, the attorney general came forward and said, you know, we're going to sue the Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence for taking taxpayers' 
taxpaying uh, dollars from victims. Yeah. You know, but the, the real tragedy, though, I will say, you know, the most the most riveting uh, testimony I heard was a domestic. They kept asking the CFO and the COO how much how many victims would have been helped with the seven million dollars that was stolen. And yeah. you know they were they were involved in this, so they couldn't answer. They, they you know they were guilty too. I mean, one had six hundred hours of paid time off and days. We're talking days, not hours. Six hundred <laughs> days of paid time off, and you know they they couldn't answer the question when the board asked them all these questions to the legislature. And a woman testified uh, the day they went into receivership before they went in front of the judge and filed a lawsuit against them, one of the executive directors mm-hmm. from Tallahassee fired that with $6 million, they could have helped 18,000 domestic violence victims Absolutely. with this money that this woman bought help with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the story, the big story in, in the, the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> Good for you. Very good for you. You know, it's absolute tragedy, you know, to to do something like this when you're doing, you know, um, charitable work. And it, when it comes to domestic violence, which is a lot right now, uh, I can see a lot of people even talking about it, especially now during the pandemic. And I don't know if you know, here in Los Angeles, uh, where I live, Ariana uh, donated $6 million dollars. And even the mayor, our mayor, Gersetti, talks about it, that they have a shelter for women for domestic violence. They have safe place. You know, everything is safe and they don't have to worry about anything because I don't have to tell you how dangerous it is once you leave the home. You need to be very careful. Oh. Most of the women got killed. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. 74%. Even, I think 74 people get uh, killed when they leave their spouses. I think they, it's only 24% survive. And that's, those numbers are just absolutely staggering and, and, and yeah. sickening all at once. But you make a good point with the pandemic. It's so, you know, even in Florida now, we obviously have uh, shelters still open and places available for domestic violence victims to go. Whilst, you know, many are stuck and feeling stuck, I think it's important that you, that I don't know who's listening, but if you are a, a victim of domestic violence right now, it's so important to reach out if you can to these different organizations. Um, the sad part is, though, I will say about the coalition is, you know, when my story started to unfold, I started receiving emails from not only other women who had gone to coalitions and not received the help they needed or been turned away from domestic violence centers or worked for domestic violence centers and tried to report some of the things that they were witnessing working, working inside uh, the coalition. And the fundamental problem here is there's no oversight of any of these organizations. And there's supposed to be the national Network to End Domestic Violence is supposed to oversee all these coalitions throughout the, con- you know, throughout the entire country. And that's not what's happening. And so I think you're going to see a movement now with this coalition being taken out of statute and, and everybody telling me you're not going to make a difference, you're not going to make a difference. Well, it takes one person to stand up and say it's not okay. This is not okay. Absolutely. And, you know, I just got lucky. 
that there was another story that was bigger than my story because my story didn't come <laughs> out until recently. Wow. So somebody did the same thing, stealing money and from, yeah, it's absolute tragedy. You know, it's so sad to see because this is a huge problem. And we have been dragging it for years and years, and people don't understand that this is a criminal act. You know, you cannot kill somebody and get away with it. And men these days, especially narcissists, they are very manipulative, and they know their way out. And I'm sorry what happened to you, you know. And I know very well how very well manipulative they are because it comes with the sickness they're having. It's really difficult work. It is. It is. And, and that's a pandemic right now going on, too, with, with domestic violence is that, um, unfortunately, you know, when the Violence Against Women Act was enacted after 1994, um, it mandated that somebody gets arrested in domestic violence. The problem with that is that because police see so much domestic violence, they're a little desensitized sometimes or they don't have the right training. I don't know what it, I don't know what the case is, but. You know, what we've seen is a 30 to 40 percent increase of women being arrested in domestic violence incidents. However, the conviction rate is still 90 percent men. And I'm not saying men aren't victims. They are, too. So I'm not not excluding that. But as a woman, I can only talk to what I, you know, really took a lot of time to study. And that's the travesty is that you've got women who have children that now their children are taken away from them because they've been arrested and kicked out of the house. And now there's a a restraining order against the wife because the police believe the, the man who might've been the perpetrator and it's just horrible. And what's worse about that though, is even with my case, when my case was over, I, as I said, I took a polygraph and then the state asked for it and they concurred. I told the truth. Well, when I went to the state attorney and said, here's your, evidence that you need to go let's go back to the night I called for help you need to go arrest my ex-husband but not only just for beating me up but now he also lied and perjured and all these things that are felonies and the state attorney said to me well those are very difficult to, to prove and I said well listen your your state concurred that I told the truth I didn't stab my husband I said what do you mean those are tough it's tough to prove there's only two of us there and both the state and my defense attorney said I didn't do it through my polygraph. And they refused to reopen my case. And to arrest. Yeah, they refused to reopen my case. They refused to do anything. Um, They sent me back to my criminal lawyer, funny enough. And when I went, couldn't understand why the state attorney was saying, well, you, you need to go talk to your lawyer. I walk in his office and he looks up at me and says, okay, what did you do? And I said, well, I went to the state attorney. I want them to go after my husband. My husband, and he said, Amy, I don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I said, because when I hired you, I told you, one, I won't take a plea. And number two, when does he get arrested for what he did to me? And I meant it. And he said, <laughs> and these were the words that hit home, and this is how scary our our government is. He said, Amy, you do know that I'm on the board to reelect the state attorney, don't you? That was my moment where I said, where I said that was in, that was a little bit of a threat. 
And with a wrongful arrest of a a woman who's got no history of anything, whose life is just turned upside down because you could, and you don't want to fix it because that would admit doing something wrong, which would be the right thing to do. Um, It wouldn't look good for a state attorney that's trying to get reelected. So they refused to reopen my case, which is why I wrote my book, (laughs) Fabulous to Frame. I said, Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I was like, why women? Why women are less than men? Why, if you defend a woman, this should be something good. This should be something amazing because you are defending somebody who has been wrongfully accused and has a a record already because of not fault of course. You know, like in UK, this is absolutely ridiculous. Women are still uh, perceived to be sufficient. It's absolutely uh, makes me so angry. We need to change this. I agree. I actually, I'm sorry this happened actually, to you. No, you know, it, it, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, right before I was doing this whole coalition thing, I basically um, went to, um, I went to um, the local state attorney in my district, and I had a bill. It was, about police involved, officer involved domestic violence. And I was proposing him to try to, you know, have some kind of um, protection for women who are victims of men who are either in law enforcement or are in law enforcement, because I think it's very difficult for somebody to be objective when you're dealing with one of your own. So to bring in an yeah. advocate or somebody who's been trained to see to in those in those particular incidents specifically because it, it's so rampant. I mean, forty percent of all police officers are domestic violence abusers, and that's what I found out. You can get also. Yeah, go ahead. Huh? Well, what yeah, I found out you recently. Yeah, it's scary. It is very scary. You can, it's very scary. And you can get fired. You know, an, an officer will get fired for possession of cocaine, but that same officer can beat his wife, put her into a hospital, and he might get a warning. And then they'll huh. cover up for him. It, I'm not saying all cops. There are definitely good officers out there. So I don't want to brand everybody's bad because that's not right. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but I, I would say, you know, there certainly is, if you keep in mind that you've got, let's say, 10 people who show up to your scene, and actually there was probably about eight officers who showed up at my scene uh, the night that my incident happened. Well, if you have 10, four of those are, are probably in a domestic violent relationship. So why, how would they possibly not take a side of the officer, former officer, you know, over the victim? And that's why I think it's so important to have that oversight so victims can be you know, properly treated when they go through something as horrific as calling the police. They shouldn't be victimized. It's, it's not good. It's not right. And I'm really hoping that we're going to see some reform. Um, the upside about working with the state a little bit on this situation with the coalition is that I met a lot of really great State representatives, not in my district, unfortunately. They, they're not great. But I did meet some outside of my district. And they reached out to me and said, you know, your testimony, thank you so much for coming forward with your testimony. Um, 
And if, I, if there's anything I can do to help you, I will. And I said, well, there will be. I, I want a bill to get presented in front of the, the House of Representatives the next time they're in session to pass a bill about officer-involved domestic violence. You know, baby steps, but something. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it happens. But, yeah, it's horrible. It is horrible. Continue to do what you're doing. We have, I know a lot of people are trying to have this registry with uh, perpetrators, you know, who are uh, wife beaters, you know. Everybody should know in what kind of a person they have at home and in what kind of a relationship they're getting into. I think it's fair and nobody is taking it seriously, you know, because it's your life online for God's sake, you know. Nobody wants to die. Well, the sad part about that is, I, you know, I know there are lots. There's, uh, I think, teen, I think Tina's law. There's Megan's law. There's uh, a, a very dear friend of mine, Dale Driscoll, in uh, upstate New York. Uh, her daughter and her granddaughter were murdered by a gentleman that her daughter was dating who had had a violent background. He'd been in jail, and she asked him why. And he said, oh, he had a fight in the bar. Well, that wasn't it. It was domestic violence. So when her daughter and her granddaughter got killed by this man, she's been trying for 10 years to have that um, violent offenders registry. 10 years. And you know who's opposing it the most? The Domestic Violence Coalition. Why? Because it takes money away from them. And that's where... That's where we say, you know, all these people have reached out to me throughout the country about domestic violence coalitions. Their, their interest is self-interest. And not all, again, I'm not being broad with everybody, but the, the situations I've heard, they're holding back that opportunity for this law to get changed. They don't want to see the change because that's less money for the coalition. So it makes you wonder really where are this money's going. And what is the real thing? So I don't know. Hopefully there'll be some oversight on these very, very uh, powerful coalitions throughout the state. Because, like you said, you can't get this registry alone would save so many people. I, I mean, we have that for sex offenders. Why don't we have it for violent offenders? Exactly. Exactly. We are going to continue the war. Don't worry. We're going to do our best, and you're doing amazing. Don't give up, and I can see you're not going to give up. And I'm sorry what happened to you, you know, but, you know, the best teacher com- teachers come from life, and you know very well how it feels, you know, to be wrongfully, you know, convicted about something you didn't do, and you're dealing with very dangerous person basically in your case your man or your husband was a policeman and it's making things even more complicated but eventually i think things are gonna go away you know and we're gonna start seeing more progress because more people get involved like i told you the whole city of los angeles the mayor everybody here uber is even giving free rides for the victims of domestic violence so it definitely shows that people are awakening and realizing that domestic violence is a crime and something needs to be done. So that's a good thing. And your coalition, everybody came together and they did something about what was going on. Yeah, it's been been a journey. It really has. And I think that my biggest takeaway from this is 
you know, it's kind of made me look at the whole situation and say, what can I do to make a difference with all these different people that are coming to me to make, you know, a big difference throughout the country. And if I can, I will. I'm altruistic, but I do believe in, in standing up for what's right. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I important but yeah i appreciate everything that you have to say it's there there's a lot going on that should be changed and hopefully one day at a time those things will get changed eventually it will eventually it will i'm kind of a positive and i think things are going to change completely so we are out of time thank you so much amy for being on my show um thank you for what you do and every step counts and uh don't be discouraged by other people, you know, and uh, every step counts, everything, everything what we do makes a ripple in the water, you know, and when you throw a rock and it makes a ripple, right, it's the same thing with people who are doing that, because we are actually triggering change, and uh, nobody should discourage you or discourage anybody else, because you're doing the right thing, and you know how it feels. And it's really uh, easy to uh, to judge people when you have never been in a domestic violence and abusive situation. And uh, but uh, when once you get in one, then you understand what exactly is going on. That's the, I think is the biggest problem when it comes to domestic violence and abuse. So thank yeah, you so you're... much for being well, on my show. Me. Yeah, thank absolutely, you so much absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> it was a it I was wish... a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you best all the best be safe, be healthy, stay home do your best and I'm sure we're going to see each other and work together and let's make this domestic violence and abuse disappear because it's absolute crime and uh, what if it, not only women are get hurt, children get hurt and it's it's, it's a tragedy yeah, well, thank, thank you, you so much. much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for the listeners who were with us today. Reach to Amy if you have any questions. Everything is going to be on my website, com. And I wish you an amazing day. Please be safe. Please be healthy. Stay home. And this is going to go away. Remember that we are all in this together. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.